You're listening to Once, episode 141. It's not easy being green. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us as we discuss It's Not Easy Being Green. The episode wherein we learned the origin of all well-known green characters, including Kermit. We now know why Kermit <laughs> the Frog is green. The Hulk. Yeah. Green Lantern. Sure. Lauren from Angel, if anyone watches that. Okay. Mm, the cheese in my refrigerator. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> green with envy cheese. Like, I should have been the one that got eaten, not her. <laughs> well, her speaking, being the cheddar. Speaking of spoiled brats, let's start our conversation with the past. Okay. Starting out talking about Baby Z. Baby Z. Baby Z. Yeah. That's her rapper name? Yeah. <laughs> But there's a cyclone or tornado, basically, that comes. Which doesn't upset her would-be parents at all. Yeah. They're just like, hmm, let us walk in this spot on the path where there was moments ago a cyclone and look completely unrattled. Well, neither does the fact that a baby came out of the cyclone. It's just, oh, it must have come out of the cyclone. Yeah. Well, it's Oz. Maybe they were hiding under an overpass that goes over the yellow brick road and they knew they were safe. And then they came out as soon as it dissipated. And they're just like, hmm. A baby. Maybe well, cyclones only bring things into Oz and don't take things out like they yeah. do in other worlds. And then that tree must have been pretty damaged because it had a delayed reaction and fell upon them. And See, that the baby's first... visual acuity and reflexes, I'm telling you, she's something special. The first time I watched, I thought she was pushing the tree on them. Yeah, so. I, it was a little tough to tell what was happening. Her arms are just so darn small and cute. <laughs> it's probably hard to train a baby to do the exact arm motion that you want them it to is. do for the magical spell. They actually tied some twine to her arm and jerked it about. <laughs> Not really. Not really. That'd just be mean. It is. It's just so funny to see a baby who's not even talking. <laughs> uh, if the baby was talking, it would almost be a little more acceptable because then it's like, okay, you're you're completely going with disbelief here. But, <laughs> they pick up a new one. Watch out! <laughs> yeah, but to see okay. the baby just with its hands do the magic hand thing and then whew, push the tree off. Just it, every time I see it, I just laugh at it. It's not ridiculous. It just it's funny it, to see it. It is funny and clearly clearly more natural for her than for regina yes we did get some answers about that kind of thing mm -hmm. later mm -hmm. i do wonder if there's going to be another easter egg on the season three blu-rays called something about no babies were harmed in the making of this cyclone or <laughs> something because there was there was one on the season one blu-rays about the sword fight so oh yeah i'm expecting <laughs> Well, nothing really beats that season one sword fight. Every time I can, I like to rewatch that sword fight. Like as soon as I, I did it again today too, because there's something that I wanted to reference from the pilot episode today. So I thought, Ooh, the sword fight sword is in fight. this episode. So I rewatched that. I just, Dan, 
Daniel, when you and Jenny have a baby, are you going to try and reenact that sword fight? Yes, totally. Jeremy's going to come at me with swords. (laughs) He's going to play the part of multiple soldiers. Leave me out of this. (laughs) Well, so this scene does disprove my theory. Well, not this scene, but uh, some of the resulting stuff that comes in this episode does disprove my theory that Zelina is actually Dorothy. So that, yeah, or representing the Dorothy mm-hmm. hole in the story, and we may not even get a Dorothy at all. I wouldn't think well, so. It would be redundant. Her, like you know, her sort of essence has been spread about the Twister and the and the adoptive part, and then the Kansas kind of goes to. Well, now I guess in. Now, I'm going to sometimes maybe say the original story, and honestly, I've never read The Wizard of Oz. I've seen the famous movie. So, when I reference an original story, that's probably what I mean. But uh, I think The Wizard was actually from Kansas as well in that, wasn't he? Yes. Well, especially in the one, like, he was for sure in the one that came out last year. Oh, well, I haven't seen that. In in the actual (laughs) book, The Wizard is from Kansas. Okay, so that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the whole um, Dorothy part has been filled, but but the, the I think whole it has. premise of the Dorothy story is that she killed the witch that had the slippers and then got the slippers, so the other witch wanted the slippers back. So I wonder if they can even really work this in, that into it, because Zelina already has the slippers. I'm just looking forward to when they drop a house on someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it is in Henry's storybook, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. You have to go take a closer look at whether it's actually Dorothy in Henry's storybook. That's true. Well, then as we see, Zelina grows up very quickly and she does <laughs> shave her father. <laughs> uh this, uh, the thing that her father says to her all the time reminds me of the movie Frozen, which is huge right now, but there's lines in Elsa's song where she says, conceal, don't feel, put on a show. And that's exactly what her father's teaching her. No matter what you feel on the insides, always put on a good face. So I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I did enjoy that kind of, it's, it's kind of a connection as well, because the actress who voiced Queen Elsa in Frozen played the Wicked Witch, the Green Wicked Witch in the Broadway show Wicked for years. She debuted that and won Tonys for it and stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting connection if they did do that on purpose. But even if they didn't, it's it's still kind of true to, I guess, what fairy tale fathers can do to their daughters. <laughs> well, yes, what any father in any Once Upon a Time story can do to any of their children. Right. Daddy issues. Hashtag daddy issues. Yeah. And we don't know at this point where her mother has gone. Um, yeah. The similarities and a lot of similarities to Wicked really in just the idea of her father not accepting her for one reason or another. Well, and one of our forum users, Feli, pointed out that we get no story of Zelina's childhood here. It seems like her mother might have loved her in some way. Right. We don't know how her mother died. I wonder if it was Zelina accidentally killed her mother, caused her mother's Mm. death with magic. Probably not, I would say. I think she would be a little more... 
Uh, a little more ashamed when she used magic at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it would terrify her if that had happened. And but, not just her father. But we also don't see any kind of history besides the scene. We don't see a history of abuse right. of any sort. Just... He like he does call her wicked for apparently no reason. Like, oops, she cut him shaving, which he should have been doing himself. Therefore, she's wicked. That's kind of harsh language to use on. I don't know how old she was supposed to be, but a young person. Yeah. For that reason. So I don't know if they were just trying to show well like, w- what it would have been like had they been able to give us more history. I got the idea that he is afraid of her magic and he thinks that's the wicked part of her. Yeah. And yeah. so it was it was the way she brought the towel with magic. Right. Which just came naturally. To her, not controlling it is grabbing a towel with magic. I thought that was interesting because it seems like, well, that's exactly what you'd want it to be. It just It's just natural. But it apparently is not what he wants her to do. And so what I want to know is, was the wizard loved in oz in this story or not because he calls himself the great and terrible and it seems like if uh, the wizard of oz is like the most revered maybe ruler or person in oz that he wouldn't be her father wouldn't be quite so afraid of her magic that doesn't make a lot of sense to me true but Mm -hmm. uh, even in the book oz introduced himself as the great and power the great and terrible Mm mm-hmm but everybody loved him, so then why would anybody fear magic there? Well, it could be that maybe this particular family yeah. didn't like it. Or this particular man. Yeah. Because they've had some bad experience with it, they don't trust it, mm-hmm. whatever it could be. Maybe they're the types with the bumper sticker that says, don't blame me, I voted for the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently terrible can mean not only exciting, extreme alarm or intense fear, like terrifying, but also formidable in nature or extreme and great. Oh, I think we should start calling this once the terrible Once Upon a Time podcast. (laughs) It's lousy with great conversation. I was just going to say that. (laughs) Oh, words. As Zelina goes to visit the wizard for this first time, the Oz symbol is up on the the curtain there, mm-hmm. and it's the O with the Z inside of it. Did it look familiar to you? Mm, well, it's Oz. Well, <laughs> go back to season one, episode oh. 17, Hat Trick. Jefferson. Yes. <laughs> inside of the hat, Kitsis and Horowitz had ever always told us pay close attention to those doors because those Mm -hmm. could be other worlds that we may someday visit. And one of them says Oz. Now, it doesn't outright say O-Z, but it's the same kind of thing. It doesn't look exactly the same as this symbol that we see, but it is a circle with a Z on the inside, which basically spells Oz the same way that they're doing it here. They're just a bit more decorative here. But it was a green door with a green curtain covering the parts of the door. And that was in Jefferson's hat. It was actually the world, the doorway right next to the Wonderland doorway inside oh. of Jefferson's hat. Maybe Oz, you know, Oz, it just means, oh, Zelina. 
<laughs> maybe that's how I'm somehow through that. maybe if she succeeds in doing something with time travel maybe she actually ends up naming oz indirectly in the past yeah for the present not really though we we do have some crazy theories to share. <laughs> crazier than that because i challenge the oh yes okay oh. <laughs> but jeez but uh plausible okay. in some ways uh, theories well mine wasn't plausible so let's see i do wonder how Wiz walsh knew Wiz walsh. yeah that's what i'm gonna call him or Walsh Wiz. A Walsh of a Wiz he was. I, I do wonder how he knew so much about her. Well. If he'd been following her or if even. Did he know about her or did he just play a little magic video? Uh, yeah, he might. On the floor. He might just be really. He is a good con man. Did you notice how he played the video in the floor instead of up on the big projector and so that his silhouette would remain visible at all times? Yeah. It's common magic technique. <laughs> uh so and he as he explains it he says a cyclone struck and carried you to this world because that happens. Your mother placed you some random place in the forest. She abandoned you. Apparently what? She thought you would die. She thought you would live and be found by dwarves. What did she think was going to happen? Cora, heartless Cora. And then a cyclone just strikes as they do. What? A big green cyclone. There's a little more to this story. What if she placed Zelina in the path of the cyclone? Are no. there green cyclones very often in the Enchanted Forest? Is that why Philip and Aurora just stared at the big purple cloud barreling toward them and just went, hmm, what is that? Like, yeah. Maybe weird stuff happens in the Enchanted Forest all the time, and some of it's just weather. I don't know. Magic weather. I did wonder about the the flash, or the, not the flashbacks, but the the pictures that he was showing, and then he put those slippers on her feet like seemingly using some kind of magic but then at the end we find out that he's just like a guy who is like does illusions that doesn't really it didn't really make sense to me those two things specifically the slippers not so much the video feed because like i was even thinking that could be a magic mirror like we know that that's a thing in this world so Hmm. i do i wonder how he did those things well it might be that one of the other magical items he has can do something like that so it's not necessarily that he's the one doing it because he was Mm -hmm. doing this whole thing with his hand maybe as a distraction while he was doing something else that's (laughs) i do that a lot actually (laughs) that's a common illusionist trick is lead the eyes make something move so they're looking at a certain direction instead of a different direction but Wiz Walsh called Rumpel a very powerful wizard, the most powerful in all the realms. Imagine if Zelina had become the Dark One. That would not be good. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine that. She might actually be dark as the Dark One, hmm. like totally dark, not kind of this second found humanity that we know as Rumpelstiltskin now. Right. Because she really doesn't care about anything, and he always did. He always cared about Bay. 
Yeah. And she doesn't care about anything. Except herself. She just wants family for her own sake. She doesn't want to give. There's no one she loves. She wants someone to love her in a selfish way. She's officially psychotic. (laughs) Like, as in to the point where there better be no... I don't know. I don't know what to say. Heartbreaking backstory to make us... Yeah, like, okay, I feel bad for her, but, you know, she stabbed or tried to stab her sister in the neck. Mm -hmm. What? I mean, anybody. I don't care who the person's supposed to be. You don't just do that because of jealousy. She never even met her. Like, she hadn't even... Yeah. Crazy. Well, it is really cool that she got silver slippers because the original book had them as silver. They were made into ruby mm-hmm. slippers for the movie because that was around the time that Technicolor was really big. And so they wanted to show off the color by choosing a very vibrant color, red, ruby slippers. That's and that's fair. actually trademarked, the ruby slippers thing. So that's why they probably didn't use that's that. That's why you that's... have none. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they're pretty cool. I have to say, I wish... I. I would <laughs> now I'd pack my real shoes, but I would actually wear them <laughs> if they could take me anywhere. And they did actually make her jump from Heels one realm to another. She went from Oz yeah. to Enchanted Forest. Which mm, yeah. I still of course I guess the statement that only a curse could do it was within those first four episodes that we sometimes say. They didn't really know what they were doing when they said that. <laughs> Maybe. It, it's a little... I don't know. We did have that moment where it was kind of like, so if Rumpel could have had the shoes, all this curse business wouldn't have been necessary? Well, remember in the episode, the doctor, he was asking for the slippers. He wanted yeah. the slippers to take him to a land without magic. Yeah. Hmm. This this whole the flashback part makes me wonder about whether there's somebody bigger in Oz or in our or in enchanted in our world in Enchanted Forest who's pulling the strings on this much like we've learned Rumple was on Regina because we know that it's not Rumple. Yes, I because hope he so. was clueless. But like the cyclone came. Like how often does that happen? And then. Um, <laughs> like everything the wizard said to her seemed to be very pointed and direct. And he even said, be careful. It is one thing to wonder about your past, but another to become envious of things you cannot have. And then, oh, lo and behold, she became envious and turned green, which is the color of Oz also. It just seems, seems like there might be obviously more to the story. <laughs> Well, we've got some great forum posts about some of these different topics, like theorizing about who Zelina's real father is. The top two choices are either Rumpel or King Leopold, but both of these have problems because Rumpel... Not Rumpel. Yeah, Please, you not would Rumpel. Know. Um, and Leo, or King Leopold, is royalty, and Zelina couldn't be royalty. Right. Oz said mm-hmm. that. The wizard said that. And that's because she had no royal blood. Regina did have royal blood. So she could be royalty. I bet you it was a stable boy. Yeah, that's that's another theory is that many forum members are hoping that it's really nobody, that it's just like a parallel to what happened with Regina and mm-hmm. that it was someone that Cora genuinely loved. Which 
if it's someone she genuinely loved, true love, and then yeah. there's a baby. And then, and then baby. there's a baby. <laughs> well, like Emma is the product of true love. Mm. What if Zelina is also the product of true love? Psychotic, but psychotic, evil. true love. No. Maybe, but yeah. it's starting to sound really mm, murky, maybe. Well, how would you be able to explain how some babies are born with magic and some aren't? And there's another forum post about this, actually. I don't know. Because well, the wizard said magic is a gift. How do you explain he, any gift? He, the wizard also kind well. of confirmed that Regina was born with magic as well. Because he said that, that I, don't, I didn't write the beginning part, but he said, but she has been unable to develop it. So she was, you know, born the same way, but she hasn't been able to develop it. So it could also be a, a thing of like what develops the magic so Rumpel was trying to do that, but Zelina's seemed to be kind of instant. And Emma's has been just total <laughs> self-discovery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that must have been some birth for Cora. It's just she starts <laughs> to go into labor and there's poof, and there's green <laughs> smoke and then she's holding a baby. Well, that was easy. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of like what happened in the show Charmed when the magical baby was born. Oh, he dear. like he was born yeah, like that, basically, oh, only good, so not green smoke, but, like, white lights. I uh-huh. wonder if that's why Cora gave up Zelina. Like, is- freaky baby, freaky baby, and boom, and then maybe Zelina brought the cyclone on herself to go somewhere where she would find love, there may and st- also hate, maybe. apparently. <laughs> there may still be some credibility to Zelina kind of also being Dorothy. It would be cool if we ever see an episode with Cora where, Cora where she names the baby Dorothy instead of Zelina. Maybe, uh, because it was we'll these adopted parents. But Might see Zelina in pigtails. From this forum post <laughs> that we have about this, and I'll have this link and all of these other forum post links in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 141. But this forum post logs a couple different parallels here. Dorothy and Zelina are both orphans. They both go to see the wizard down a yellow brick road. They're both given shoes that they have to click their heels to use. And they're both in search of family and home. So some parallels. It might be where they're, again, borrowing elements. (laughs) But, okay, you want to hear a really crazy theory? Oh, yes. This is from Roger. I do. Roger said, up to this point, we have been told that Zelina is Cora's daughter and Regina's sister. And in last night's episode, we saw a woman that we were told was Cora setting baby Zelina down and apparently abandoning her. But now we know that Zelina plans to go back in time and change things, which may change everything. Now, the back in time, I'm not so sure. We just know she wants to change everything and have a second chance. I know where this is going. Thanks to time travel, things don't have to happen in the order we'd expect. Instead of cause preceding effect, effect could precede cause. So my crazy theory is that was not Korra. That was not fairy tale land. And the baby was not abandoned. Instead, I think that was Snow in Storybrooke attempting to keep her baby from Zelina whose time curse ends up sending the child back in time to Oz, I think Zelina is actually Emma's little sister. 
There is one little issue, though. Rumpel's magical DNA test, which we don't exactly know how what it did. All it did was turn Zelina's hair into green smoke. Which so, makes no sense. <laughs> so it's possible that he simply let her believe she was Cora's daughter, figuring that Zelina was much more powerful than Regina, as she is a product of true love. But mm. this could be... Yeah, because hair magic. <laughs> <laughs> this could be something cool if they do it like this because we didn't get to see the face of supposed Korra. That's true. And frankly, that would explain a green cyclone. I mean, who might create that? Selena. But has she figured it out? Because she still seems to think she's Regina's sister or she's pretending to be. But she has a particular interest in Snow's baby. Yeah. She almost seems to care for Snow's baby as she might care for herself. Exactly. Maybe yeah. the baby's just another ingredient. Oh, in my. Her. <laughs> hey, the show would go there. I'm yeah, the show would go well, there. Well, we've got some more theories on why she needs the baby in a little bit. But I like this thought because I especially like how Roger tied it together with Zelina seems to be wanting to cast some kind of spell or something that takes her back in time and it could be that it backfired and caused this to happen. But the thing is, where would wizard head get the name Cora? I don't know. Maybe it was, that's what he thought. Maybe I would have to put an emphasis on the terrible from now on when I reference him, if that's what happened. Now, not being able to see supposedly Cora's face doesn't confirm nor deny anything because it could be that just Rose McGowan, who played young Cora, wasn't oh, available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's if they only need her for one quick shot, yeah, they don't have to show her. They've right. done the same thing with King Leopold before. They didn't show him up close. They've done that with half Mulan. the cast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. In the case of Mulan, actually putting someone else in her full outfit. Right. Yeah. But I do like that theory. That could be really cool. And what it could help confirm is maybe ease the pain of wait a minute you can't change the past unless you use all three genies which we've already seen that almost (laughs) happen on the other show once upon a time in wonderland the other show and so this i kind of like this better because it's a a self-fixing paradox sort of in that you can't change the past but the past you're trying to change you caused by trying to change the past Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah whatever happened happened Exactly. (laughs) By the way, speaking of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, although Wonderland as a TV series is over, our Wonderland podcast will continue with some cool surprises later this year. But we do have something cool coming up, and that is that this Saturday, live at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, I believe it's 8.30 p.m., will be a live roundtable with uh, other Once Upon a Time in Wonderland podcasters and viewers as well and this i'm not putting this one on so i don't have to do the hard work on this (laughs) a round table not made by you so if you just go to bit.ly slash wonderland hangout you'll get the information about when this is it's hosted by bill meeks from greetings from storybook and they're also spinoff podcast greetings from wonderland so big thanks to bill for putting this on and you can check that out at bit 
bit.ly slash Wonderland Hangout for more information. And that link will help you find out uh, where you need to go in order to watch the live Hangout. And that is on Saturday, April 12th, and it will be on Google Plus as well. So check that out. And we'd love to have you watching it. We'll also put it in the feed for Wonderland podcast so you can listen to that. And we're looking forward to some fun with that. That's at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, GMT minus five over at bit.ly slash Wonderland Hangout. So moving on then, as Zelina then poofs her way over to uh, Regina's place. (laughs) Regina's place slash world slash room. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I pretty much want those shoes. <laughs> which is a really I weird want thing. those shoes. Do they do they come in a men's style? Because I, I mean, I'll do the heels if I have to because of travel. But anyway, uh, I don't understand why Rumple was like, oh wow, uh, blah, blah, blah. oh oh, you're not Regina. When, since when? Like he knows who's in the next room without looking and he's kind of like watching her the red hair didn't give anything away at all i mean uh i don't know that was weird to me unless the whole thing now i, I was gonna say it was like some kind of con but he seemed genuine when he was like oh mm-hmm. oh look at your face not just your red hair you're not regina and then i don't understand the whole green test tube thing either it was kind of a weird scene, really. It was. And I don't know if Rumpel has an angle or it was just some uh, shortcut writing, but it was interesting. It kind of got the job done, I guess. As they're talking in the woods, uh, this is the first time we've heard Rumpel teach about the happiness magic to a bad person. He taught about happiness magic to Emma. But True. to Zelina, he's he's giving both. He's saying use both hate and happiness together in order to control her magic. Right. I think that's because she she was way too extreme with her darkness, right? With her hate. And maybe he was worried about the extreme of it because didn't he say that she was hurting him or something? And so um, now she needs the nails. happiness. <laughs> oh, okay. She needs the happiness to like take it back a notch or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like two different directions, I guess, which is interesting. Uh, that, <laughs> that shot looking directly at Rumpel. It's like, now I know what the cast goes through when they're shooting with him in his full dark one makeup. <laughs> that was. He's been creepy forever, but that was intense. <laughs> he was just right there in our faces. Did he seem less energetic mm-hmm. to anyone else in that yeah. scene than he normally is? He's had He's... always had lots of different phases of his life, but I thought that he just seemed like he was saying some of the same lines, but with a little, little less flair, I guess. Well, he's training two sister witches now, so... Sister He's probably a little bit exhausted, especially <laughs> since one of them is Zelina and the other one is Regina. Maybe. It's funny how their names just kind of rhyme like that when they didn't 
weren't picked by the same person. True. I want. I do wonder if Selena had a name before Oz, because like one means green, the other means queen. They're oh, very that even rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a name that means not going to be queen? Because that's probably <laughs> what her name would be. <laughs> Maybe it was Dorothy. I'm pretty sure that's what Dorothy means. Not going to be queen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, loved- what if that? Is- oh, that'd be great. I love it. I loved Mr. Gold, or sorry, I loved Rumpelstiltskin's <laughs> Ding Dong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the witch is dead. <laughs> Has anyone thrown water on her yet? There were, they should try. There were some other fun uh, Wizard of Oz references in this episode. Not nearly as blatant as in the episode The Doctor, where they were trying to mislead us to think that the Doctor was actually the Wizard of Oz. Jerks. <laughs> and by the way, Dorothy means gift of god oh well i don't think that that's the lita not exactly an instant leave her in the woods kind of name right when rumple gets home he finds (laughs) zelena making meat pie oh she's so thoughtful and this is I wonder if Regina knew that Zelina was there because this could give a little bit more context for later on when Regina so calmly said, you need another girl, Rumple, in the episode Skin Deep after Belle had gone. Oh. Because maybe Regina knew that there were other ladies in some way tending to the house and dusting and cleaning for <laughs> Rumple. Uh, Cooking. I don't know. Yeah, I always just assumed she was talking about Belle, but it's possible. If Reg- well, Regina wasn't living there, though, right? No. Right. So that'd be weird. She might not know. Yeah, that would be weird. It's like magical boarding school at the Darkwoods house. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that could have been a thing. Well, because Zelina must have been living there because she had nowhere else to live, right? Right. Oh, Zelina. Super, super psychotic. So did she follow him on the night that he was supposed to be training Regina? To go kill Regina? Not follow him, maybe. No. Couldn't Uh, tell if those nights were connected. No, she didn't know where he went. Probably not. Because that, yeah, it could have been that night or maybe the next night that Zelina went to try to kill Regina. And it... Cleverly turned out to be Rumple. Didn't work so well for her. I do want to know why Zelina is turning green. I know it's green with envy, and I know it's a throwback to what her fa- her father used to say, like, don't let your, like, protect what you feel on the inside, protect your face. Um, and then, like, I loved Rumple's, your insides are starting to show. But... It doesn't really make sense why she's turning green other than it must be like a manifestation of her magic because like Regina's never turned, you know, red with wrath and like we've never seen this before other than gold is like Rumpelstiltskin is gold, but he's, you know, been embodied by the dark one. So that's a little bit different. Yeah. It's not like people just walk around with mood skin. Right. They just turn colors based on whatever they're feeling the most. It'd be a really interesting world if they did, though. 
And I am I'm kind of disappointed that Regina's comment from season two about not caring if the spells turned her green isn't connected in any way to the story. Yeah, like seeing Zelina cast a spell and it turned her green. That could have been cool. Like yeah. casting a spell in order to try to kill Regina or do something to Regina behind the scenes like that Regina wouldn't know. But doing something like that and that backfires and turns her green. Yeah, I mean, it would t- be a little more involved. But if they had kind of woven in some of the same things like Zelina wants to try some spells right out of a book and Rumple's like, eh, you're not ready for that. They're pretty, they're raw. Uh, you know, some of the same things he said before. And she tries it anyway. And it actually turns her green. <laughs> I mean, that to me would have been kind of fulfilling of earlier plot points. Or at least lines. We never actually saw any real consequence either in that episode when Regina was warned not to use the spells the way they were. And she did anyway. And she not only didn't turn green, I don't think anything bad actually happened to her. So it would be cool to all this time later see that there actually was a risk of something like turning green. (laughs) Maybe there's just some kind of a like a rumor about... The Wicked Witch, because when Regina, in the opening of this half of the season, um, like Regina seemed familiar with the notion of the Wicked Witch, um, at least to me she did. So it could be that, you know, she knows of the Wicked Witch, she knows she's green, and that it's just kind of one of those things where nobody really knows what happened, so they make it up as they go along. So it could be... Just like a rumor like, oh, I heard there was this, you know, crazy sorceress who did this spell and she tur- her, her skin turned green. And so that's just kind of like something they've grown up, not grown up knowing because they're almost the same age, I think. But <laughs> like she would have in within her magical life grown up in her magic hearing that kind of myth. Yeah, that makes sense. So it is that she is so jealous of Regina that she tries to kill Regina. Extreme jealousy there. She's got some some issues. Yeah, just yeah. a couple. Someone should turn her into a meat pie. Ooh, burn. <laughs> flying monkey. <laughs> <laughs> but it was weird that she loved Rumple, And it, I wonder if he could detect that kind of the first time. Because when she said, back in the woods that her happy thought was getting to train with him. He had this look on his face like, uh... <laughs> Awkward. Yeah. And then his little laugh, though, which sounded normal. But just his expression, the way his head went back a little bit. <laughs> like, oh boy, just what I wanted, a crush. A crush. Yay. I don't... I didn't feel like she was telling him she loved him in that way, but that could just be me. I thought she looked up to him more like a father, like the father that, like even even her her father's physical appearance kind of reminded me of Mr. Gold. True. Yeah. But then again, he does have that effect on women. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, it was more like she felt accepted for the first time in her life. She didn't yeah. feel unwanted when he agreed to train her. Yeah, it was like a mentor relationship. So I guess feeling wanted by only one person, even though apparently her mother loved her. And then sort of losing that 
for relatively logical reasons, sent her over the edge and she started hacking people with knives and such. So she's pretty, uh, she's pretty out there. <laughs> I loved that Rumple didn't even care when she said, you'll have to kill me. And he was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Let, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I must. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he didn't try very hard. Yeah. And this did seem like the first time that he learned about these slippers. Yeah. So timeline wise, this places this before the episode, the doctor, because this episode and the doctor actually have a lot in common because hmm. so many things are tied together. And also remember the episode, the doctor was when we learned who Dr. Whale really is Yeah, or was, and they gave us so many Wizard of Oz references, calling him a wizard and off we shall go to see him oh, and yeah, certain yeah. other things. Forgot about and they all mentioned that. the slippers <laughs> in that episode. So the context of that, if you want to go back and uh, rewatch that episode, it's in season two. But the what was happening is when Regina was in the library, which we actually referred to that library just a couple podcast episodes ago. Right. Jefferson came when Rumpel was telling Regina that uh, you are holding on to Daniel too much. I can't teach you anymore. You got to let this go. Let it go. Let it go. Just <laughs> don't hold it on anymore. Don't hold it back <laughs> anymore. But then Jefferson came and he brought a crystal ball. And Rumpel asked, what about the slippers? And Jefferson said those had been moved to another land. Now that crystal ball was actually hmm. very likely... A crystal, the same crystal ball that is sitting on the nightstand in the Wizard of Oz's little bedroom area behind the curtain. Hmm. I didn't think of it as a bedroom area, but that <laughs> makes sense. Maybe he was projecting it onto the floor the same way he was projecting, because that also makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Crystal ball being used to show Dorothy things. Yeah. Joel was the one that caught this. He's, he awesome. found the little crystal ball it's very small but we'll have screenshots in the show notes it's very small but then the screenshot from the doctor you can see it much larger and it looks the same it looks the same to me it looked the same to joel as hmm. well that's some great. cool tie-ins back to that episode so that's why then rumple was looking for the slippers but if the slippers have been moved to another land that means someone other than zelena ended up using those slippers Right. Yeah. Or she or she put them in another land to keep him from getting them. Or someone stole them from her. She went back to Oz. Yeah. They Dorothy took them back to Kansas, maybe. Dorothy. Yeah. See, I, I felt like he just looked like, Oh my goodness, I've been looking for those slippers. I really want them. That's Oh, I thought I, I didn't feel like it was the first time you heard about them, but Oh. Who who knows? Yeah, I th I hmm. thought his look was of there's another way. Yeah, I was, yeah, that was sort of weird. But, you know, he just taught her to catch him using magic while he's moving around from place to place, teleporting, sort of. And so she takes this very slow magic smoke puff, and he can't catch her. He didn't even try. He didn't seem to try to take the shoes, like, with magic. I don't know. I don't I think feel, he tried very hard. I feel like he should have just been able to snap his finger and the shoes were mm -hmm. his. Yeah, there were there were a few instances of people not really trying very hard in this episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in, because it would have been, you know, how it should have ended. 
in the Wizard of Oz, though, no, nothing could, I, I believe, nothing could take the shoes from Dorothy's feet. Well, that's true. And maybe um, that's a thing in this. I don't know if she had to take them off, like if they had to be given or something. There was something in that movie about that. I remember sparks coming from a certain yeah. witch's fingers. It's <laughs> yeah, true. Well, speaking of sparks, as Zelina revisits Wiz Walsh. Wiz Walsh. Or the Wiz Monkey. <laughs> she said she wants to change her past, but the wizard said that's impossible. Oh, and we know that's one of the rules so of magic. Much. It's impossible. And the only way you can change the past is by breaking the laws of magic, hence the genies. She needs Once to go to Wonderland, Wonderland because anything's possible in Wonderland. Yeah, seriously, stop being over here. Go over there. <laughs> uh, but really, if she says not evil, wicked, one more time. That is so overdone. The only reason, like, I felt like Rebecca Mater saved that scene by delivering it differently. And she had this sort of crazy eyed expression for just a second when she said wicked. And it was, it was interesting enough to kind of save it. But I still at that moment wanted to start counting how many times they've said that phrase, which maybe it's not as many as I think, because we do watch these episodes a little bit more than maybe the average viewer. There, there is a, I looked up both of those words because of my annoyance with that. Just to even, because to me, it's the same thing. Like evil and wicked are the same thing. So I was like, maybe they're not. Just like they're lousy with weapons and terrible <laughs> wizard. Um, and they can mean the same thing, but apparently wicked can also mean mischievous or playfully malicious or unjustifiable, dreadful, or beastly. Hmm. And evil... Like, I just kind of highlighted the ones that described the characters that are being described that way. But um, evil can be characterized or accompanied by misfortune or suffering or due to actual or imputed bad conduct or character. So to me, it's kind of saying, um, like, Regina is evil. She had actual bad conduct and character. But Zelina does now. But when she was first being called wicked by her dad, she... Not didn't necessarily have, like, it wasn't really justifiable for her to be called that. So that's kind of what I got from it. But I think it's just mm -hmm. a play on words for us yeah. to be like, Wicked is coming. And they've been really pumping that up during the hiatus. So And for it, her. Sorry, go ahead. I just say it is annoying, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For her, and I, I guess they probably wanted her to say it in the past, it's probably... The first time that particular scene, now that I think about it, is probably the first time in her life that she did say that. For the first time in forever? Yeah. <laughs> she finally understands. <laughs> <laughs> For the first time, she actually feels wicked. Now, Hunter and Jacqueline deserve some props here because in the spoilers, which I don't listen to the spoilers when they do their spoilers piece, or maybe this came up in one of our other conversations, but Hunter and Jacqueline <laughs> both predicted that Walsh was the wizard. Predicted. What? Yes. Predicted. You hear the air quotes? I okay, we're going to we're going to talk about that. I want to know <laughs> how predicted is that? <laughs> yeah, cuz it's hard to that's why I get so mad is when I hear spoilers. Trading predicted yeah. or is that just brilliance predicted? Cuz they are brilliant, you know. 
But it's hard. It's hard to make predictions when you know spoilers. That's mm-hmm. why I don't do spoilers anymore. Yeah. But uh, speaking of spoilers, Kevin is spoiler free. Uh, he goes by once a believer in the chat room man forums. He said, I assume the wicked witch will die or be banished some sort. Uh, so who then might get a second chance? Neil. Wait, what? Why why I say this, (laughs) he's still in the credits in the beginning, and it could give reason why his life and purpose was cut short. Clearly, the fans don't want Neil gone. Maybe he is or not. But remember, I would say, remember, dead is dead. This isn't, they're not talking about breaking the laws of magic and bringing back the dead, although they are talking about changing the past. But I like the idea that, Okay, so they already went to the past, and they caused everything as it happened. But in that case, that can mean no changes in who's alive and who's dead. Right. Yeah. Because if nothing's truly changing, it's just part of the timeline always, then yeah. I think that Neil is dead. I think so. And that we need to deal with that he yeah. was in this episode they had to oh. have somebody in the casket <laughs> and his names like they always do that with the names in the credits i'm sorry i have i have followed that right it's true for a very long time with various tv shows they <laughs> do it on purpose i'm sure or because he has a contract until the end of mm-hmm. the season perhaps he's a series regular yeah and they could bring him back you know contract wise in any flashback for the right. rest of the season that they want to yeah. yeah, and they could need to because there is still a year that we are unaccounted for. Right. Although that year, Neil is whooped inside whooped. of Rumple For the most part, yes. yes. Yeah, we've seen most of his story up to the whooping, <laughs> the absorbaloff moment. Well, Joel sent another theory or some observations here, some really cool stuff related to that big poster that's in the background in The Wizard of Oz's bedroom and he's got really it's a whole bedroom back there he has a bed a nightstand a reading chair and then this little contraption thing where he was controlling everything i wouldn't feel very secure sleeping there (laughs) i wonder if there's a projection of his bed and his snoring like with little z's coming up when he's sleeping (laughs) oz 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 (laughs) (laughs) he snores in ozes that's amazing somebody draw that and send it to us but joel points out The elements on the poster on the wall caught my attention. The poster says the Omaha Circus and Freak Show, which clearly is a reference to the original (laughs) Wizard of Oz story. Under the heading, it says (laughs) The Conjurer's Black Tent. I I couldn't find much as to what this could mean. There was a 1950s war movie called Black Tent, but I didn't see any comparisons. Next on the poster's four corners are four different freak show acts. The Fiji Mermaid... Dog-Faced Boy, The Bearded Lady, and The Bottle Imp. The first three listed were all common acts in P.T. Barnum's Traveling Freak Show. If there is one real person that can be associated with the wizard, it would be P.T. Barnum. Prior to making a name for himself with animal circuses, P.T. Barnum made a name for himself with his traveling museum of freaks. He was a known fraud and con artist. (laughs) what yeah the fiji mermaid was actually a monkey torso and uh, a fish tail sewed together ew yeah not Uh, alive i'm guessing uh, i don't know 
Because I don't think that works for very long. <laughs> you have to keep redoing it. <laughs> and he continues, anyway, the interesting one to me is the bottle imp or the living man's head in a glass container. This could possibly be a reference to one of two things. The first being a simple comparison to Rumpel being in a cage, imp in a bottle. Imp in a bottle. <laughs> the second and much more, it sounds like a drink, imp in a bottle. Ford and Ford. <laughs> the, the, the second and much more intriguing option is a possible reference to a short story by the name of The Bottle Imp, written in nineteen or in 1891 by Robert Louis Stevenson, who also wrote Treasure Island, Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, etc., This short story was a modern spin on a classic Brothers Grimm tale about a protagonist who buys a bottle with an imp inside that grants wishes. However, the bottle is cursed. If the holder dies bearing it, their soul is forfeit to hell. Well. The story has an overall theme about wanting what you can't have and the price one must pay to get it. Sound familiar? And he sent me all the links, which we'll have in the show notes to all of this extra information if you want to check that out. Do you think that's where the game Hot Potato came from? <laughs> Imp in a bottle? Yeah, just don't don't die holding it. <laughs> hmm. Well, you well, research a lot of that and stuff. you get back to us next podcast. Okay. Dark One's one fan. You know, I don't know how to read this username is it dark one's number one fan or is it dark one's one fan like he only has oh <laughs> but i would guess number one yeah Just either way knowing hmm. how many fans he has uh they are suggesting maybe a timeline reboot nope which, yeah i hear this out though okay <laughs> after seeing this episode and finding out zelena's plan for some reason i can't help but shake off the feeling that the writers are bringing in time travel and might be planning on doing what I like to call a semi-reboot with the series. Sort of a way to start afresh, but not really start over. I know this sounds weird and doesn't make sense, but another show, Doctor Who, did this as well, where the Doctor Who universe was destroyed and then recreated. Ish. The timeline remained intact, but certain things were rebooted. I can't help but feel the writers might go in this direction. But I could be wrong. I hope not. This also reminds me of the TV series Eureka, where they did something similar. They kept all the same characters, but they had a a reboot in a way where they changed the past. And when they came back to the present, it was a completely different present. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it actually somehow that that show could make anything work. (laughs) I love that show. This like this show has rules that I. I don't know if they're like hovering on the line of crossing recently more so than they have before. Yeah. But I will be highly disappointed if they continue to, well, no, they can go, they can stand near the line however close they want to, but I will be disappointed if they break their own rules. Yeah. I really don't want to see them do something like this because the phrase jumping the shark has already (laughs) been used. As much as I I think that phrase is misapplied Mm. a lot of times, I I don't, I don't want to see them jump any sharks, jump any portals, jump any tornadoes, jump anything in the ocean. (laughs) I will say a baby moving a tree through the air is very close, very close, but it didn't have the same effect on us that 
shark jumping might. Well, you know what does have a good effect on us, though? And that really moves our trees through the air? Our lovely donors. Our sponsors. Yes, that's exactly (gasps) right. (laughs) We got it right. High five. You were expecting this earlier, weren't you, when I was making a segue? Yes, I was. (laughs) Big thanks to Steve Johnson, David Newland, Lisa Slack, and DJ Firewolf for donating to support this episode of One's Podcast. We really appreciate your support because it keeps the expenses down because it does cost a lot to run the podcast. And your ongoing automatic support, which all of these are automatic subscribers, so they're automatically donating a certain amount every month. We really appreciate that because we know that until you cancel that, which you're welcome to at any time, but we appreciate it keep that it keeps coming but we know (laughs) that we can count on that being there and that helps cover expenses and allows us to keep doing this podcast so thank you so much steve david lisa and dj we really appreciate it yes thank you rumpelstiltskin has not been spending as much gold as he used to and frankly (laughs) getting that changed into currency was tiresome if you would like to sponsor an episode then please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor to make an one-time or automatic ongoing donation over there and we'd really appreciate it so now let's journey back to the present through our little tornado and we were talking about neil is he dead well they just buried him sniffles (laughs) yeah (laughs) well they just buried him well yes they did we didn't actually see inside well, I think this scene... I'm just which, kidding. I, we I, saw the body already. We Jeremy. even saw through his eyes somehow when dirt... I thought that was a little mm. mean. I think that this <laughs> further drives a nail in the coffin. <sighs> that this scene just continues to confirm he's dead. That was punny. Deal with it. Because they brought up all these emotions again with the I way the know. music was, the, the sound, the echo. No one said anything. At the speech, at the funeral, but it was just very quiet, very emotional. Again, like twisting the yeah. knife, sticking it back in and twisting it. Now, again. I thought the tradition, if it was going to be done, was for each person to grab a handful of dirt and toss it in, not each one use the shovel. It just somehow, I don't know, felt more Maybe. intent on burying. I don't know. It felt strange that they all picked up the shovel. They just didn't want to get their hands dirty. I guess so. There were some strangers here at the funeral, and I'm guessing that a couple of the younger ones, some of the boys, were actually lost boys. Probably. Yeah. And Tink was there, and that's the first time we've seen her since since they all Hiatus. disappeared at yeah. the end of last half of the season. Blue Fairy was there, too. Was she? What? Yeah. I did not yeah. notice that. Yeah, Mother Superior. Interesting. Which, you know, take that. Uh, sneaky fairy no people. no they're probably like yeah she was there to make oh. sure neil was dead <laughs> <laughs> he tried to come back a couple times and she just held her hand ever so yeah no 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 sneaky fairy she's just she's just there and she's the blue fairy and you're trying to ruin pinocchio <laughs> just no I liked um, Henry's maturity in this scene. Like, I I understand that he wouldn't have a lot of emotion to feel because he never knew his father, but he did seem genuinely concerned for Emma. So he knows that Emma is struggling with the emotion. And um, I just, I felt like he composed himself in a very lovely way, considering <laughs> how bratty he can, could, could be in the past before the hiatus, <laughs> when he tended to be a little bit, younger 
I know he's supposed to be older now, but right. He he is showing like a new maturity in his acting, which is good. It's been good to watch. Yeah, I agree. During this same time, though, we get to see Zelina talking to Rumpel. And yeah. Yeah. So it was an acknowledgement and it didn't help. Yeah. It didn't help. She's like, yep. I mean, to rephrase it, like we said maybe before. Uh, yep, everything that the show has been about, everything you've done that caused the entire premise of the show, yeah, that happened, and now it ended badly. You spent so long figuring out how to get to this land, groomed Regina to cast your curse, spent 28 years waiting for it to be broken, all so you could be with your son, and now he's gone. Tell me, Rumpel, was he really worth all that trouble? Every bit of it. He was family. Something you know nothing about. I'm really glad they put that in there. Yeah, I'm glad too. Because it's acknowledging what so many of us are thinking that this, in fact, uh, our friends, Rebecca Johnson. Uh, and uh, her co-host over at or former co-hosts over at Operation Cobra Podcast have stopped podcasting because of the last episode, not this episode, but oh. the episode when Neil died. And they yeah. make some very good points. So if you want to hear some extra very good points, in addition to what Jacqueline brought out in our last full discussion, but uh, you can check out the last episode of Operation Cobra Podcast. But uh, they have stopped podcasting about the show. They're stopping watching the show. Because they feel like Whoa. Rumpel finding Neil was so much of the symbolism of the hope and what so much of this story was about that we've been hearing and seeing in Once Upon a Time. And I think that this quote and this part is in there for us to acknowledge that, yes, and they're not responding to everything that we've said over the last week because right. they don't do that that quickly. They've had this line planned. Right. So, that they include this tells me a couple of things. One is they knew what the reaction of the fans would be. And they're putting this in there to acknowledge that they know this seems like completely destroying the hope of a happy ending. And the other thing that this tells me is that because they're acknowledging this as basically a problem to the story, mm-hmm. not for their writing, but a problem to the story and to the characters, I think it tells me that they have a plan of how it's going to work out. See, that's the interesting thing because, you know, at first I wasn't even sure that Neil was dead because of the price of magic. And at the same time, it feels like right in the middle of this particular story they're telling, they fully have disconnected everything now from everything that has ever come before in the show. Because there was just, you know, everything kind of all was under that umbrella of that original story. But now you have sort of a new curse and a new villain. And and they kind of gave a bad ending to what everything was kind of all about before. But at the same time, there could be, like we keep saying, a larger plot that extends over all of these things, number one. Number two, they could whether we like it or not, have some sneaky way of wrangling things around so that Neil's not dead. 
I feel like you kind of have to give it at least the rest of the season. Because I mean, look at to to bring it to my wanted to quit watching moment. <laughs> that was the town hall meeting. What mm. if? What if I had been sitting by myself watching Once Upon a You're Time? You're saying when Regina was faking it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I for whatever reason, I don't know if I'm the only one. She walked in they started turning. Emma looked like she wasn't so sure that Regina hadn't done it. The whole town was turning on her. I was like, you know what? If they go back to that, I don't want to watch anymore. And they turned it right around. Maybe they're just doing the same thing and they're doing it the slow way. It's going to be kind of funny in a sad way. Uh, <laughs> you know, there may be some gaps and some podcasts that return to the air <laughs> if the story <laughs> turns around that way. Uh, you know, I feel like you just have to give it the rest of the season, but that's just me. You know, maybe a hiatus is good for for people who are in mourning. <laughs> I just feel like there was kind of closure to that story at the same time, though. Like Rumpelstiltskin and Neil did kind of reconcile; they were at peace, they had it out. You know what I mean? Like the things that um, I think Jacqueline was saying, they wished Emma and Neil had had. Rumpelstiltskin and Neil did have that, or at least in my opinion, they did. Mm -hmm. Um, They were in a good place. They weren't, you know what I mean? Like they were, all of those issues had kind of been addressed. And that's not to say that they didn't deserve to have more time together to be happy. But it's kind of like, I don't know, as soon as I, I heard Daniel saying that or and listened to this line, it made me think of like, a parent that's fighting for their kids, you know, their health, say, like mm-hmm. a sick kid. Are you going to stop fighting for your sick kid just because, you know, in three years they might die or, you know, if if they have some kind of a disease, you're, you're still going to cherish the time that you had. And so unless Rumpelstiltskin never found Neil and Neil died before they ever got a chance to kind of reconcile, it's not really the same thing. Mm-hmm. Which, frankly, to be to look at it in a cold sort of way, almost, he deserved. Rumpel made him. Yeah, he regretted it, but he he went after dark magic. He became the dark one. There is a price to magic, and there's a consequence for evil. And I don't know that this is where they're kind of coming from on this, but frankly, to draw it out to its logical conclusion, the price of that magic was losing his son. So that they even got time to reconcile and be together again is maybe kind of the happiest ending they can expect from that. Right. That that then- cycle that started with Rumpel becoming the Dark One never stopped all the way until it drove Neil to make the same bad choice and go yeah. with the Dark Magic. And that was the cost. Well, at the diner then, I, I like that we got to see the dartboard because the last time we saw anyone throwing darts at the dartboard, it was Graham in the episode, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. And that's the episode where Emma lost Graham just as she was starting to love him. Aww. And in this episode, <laughs> it kind of reminds us, well, this is right after Emma lost Neil, just as she was starting to have some kind of love for him again they're telling us our hearts are the dartboard our heart yeah (laughs) 
But then there's Captain Hook with his rum, and uh, let's make everything better. <laughs> Until she's throwing darts over Hook someday. <laughs> now I'm being cynical. <laughs> <laughs> really cynical. <laughs> but we do get to see the man with the lion tattoo. I know, very prominently. And they're so lucky that tattoos don't get removed when you come over in a curse like your green skin does. <laughs> And your, you know, mouse body and stuff. I've never disliked Robin Hood since we've met him, but he's definitely growing on me. I I love how um, heroic he was. Like, as soon as Zelina walks in, he's, like, ready to go. Like, I'm going to take her out. <laughs> yeah, reaching um, for his dagger. Yeah, he's so, like, he's so protective. And that's not not that the other men in the show aren't, but I didn't see Hook going for a sword or, you know, Charming was just... You know, he was being heroic too. He was standing in front of his baby in snow, but I just, I, I loved how instant his will to stop her was. Mm-hmm. I liked how, uh, how similar in some ways without being identical it was to the wedding scene in the pilot. Oh, it's a lot more identical than you'd think. Is it? Yeah. Here's what <laughs> Selena said. Why should I believe anything you say? Oh, well, you shouldn't. It's a lot to swallow, which is why I brought a gift to help. I don't want a gift from you. But you shall have it. You see, my gift to you is this sad, sad day. And then, back in the pilot at the wedding. There's no need. You're wasting your time. You've already lost. And I will not let you ruin this wedding. Oh, I haven't come here to ruin anything. On the contrary, dear. I've come to give you a gift. We want nothing from you. But you shall have it. My gift to you is this happy, happy day. But tomorrow my real work begins. And, and she goes on to say, I will destroy all your happiness. And back in the diner here, Zelina says, I will destroy you. Hmm. So it's a really cool similarity, even some exact wording there. I thought it was very appropriate that Henry and Hook happened to take off right before this little encounter happened. Yeah. <laughs> that was very fortunate. <laughs> no, I wish that Henry had still been there. Like, And then she leaves and he's like, so mom. Who's that? <laughs> Spill. Well, they had to talk about leather conditioner and eyeliner. So Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like so I, if nothing else i didn't see her touch the door <laughs> i don't i don't know you know what's funny about this is when robin hood came over and offered regina a drink she wouldn't take it and it looked like it was maybe like a beer or something like a light alcohol mm-hmm. like that and then right after zelina leaves we see Granny pouring McCutcheon whiskey for <laughs> Regina. <laughs> well, it so, does inspire courage. I'll take that drink now. <laughs> That's great. Regina, she's she was being kind of mean. Stick to lasagna, lady. That was so funny. So can we assume now that now that they know who Selena is, that they've told the town, hey guys, it's actually the Wicked Witch, and now we know who she is, and that was the whole thing, and Regina didn't do this? Because the whole town was sort of supposed to, like, I wouldn't be on the street alone if I were Regina, the way they left it. Right. So I'm assuming the fact that she's hanging out at Granny's means they're you know. cool now. Or, you know, something resembling cool. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. 
And I liked if you just stop and sit outside the story for a moment and think about the fact that you just heard Robin Hood and Tinkerbell formally introduced. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Tinkerbell's like, I've wanted to meet you. I loved that. And I loved her dialogue with Regina, basically like, before you screw this up again, like, <laughs> let's make this happen. I know. After she comes in and sort of recaps us on what the tattoo means. <laughs> it's like... Oh, that guy. You know, he's your soulmate, right? <laughs> you remember that, right? That little part? <laughs> uh, had we heard him called Robin Hood before? Yeah. Because I kept calling him Robin Hood, but every time they introduced him, he's like, you know, Robin, Robin of Loxley. So. Yeah. Back when we first met Robin Hood, back in the episode Lacey, mm-hmm. he was introduced as Robin Hood. His name is Robin Robin Hood. Oh my! Remember? The, no, I don't. But that the was guy amazing. that had his tongue ripped out. Oh, and then stuck back in. Oh, yeah. The sheriff of Nottingham. Yes, we Ooh, we yes. joked. I put about, that out of my head because it was so gruesome. Slash, I mean, it it was disturbing in that they made us laugh at something so cruel, and at the same time, it was part of season two. So, really, my memory of that scene just did not have a chance. <laughs> but you apparently have it memorized, so good job. <laughs> now, we'll talk a little bit about Zelina uh, wanting the baby and what Zelina might be planning here when Jacqueline and Hunter join us. So uh, let's move on from okay. there. Uh, Hook and Henry get this nice little buddy-buddy time. Another boat. But it's not Hook's. <laughs> no, it's not. It's but not that, the Jolly Roger. How would you explain that? Even if the Jolly Roger's nearby and cloaked as they do... Uh, you couldn't really take Henry onto this. Like, yes, not only do I look like a pirate, I have a full-blown pirate ship, kid. Everything is normal. Nothing is wrong. But a pretty popular theory that's in our forums and a lot of places online is, I think this is a good, really good theory, is that Hook traded the Jolly Roger for a way to get back to Emma. That would be kind of sad. Because remember, his first thing that he wanted to do back in Enchanted Forest was find the Jolly Roger. Right. And he got to Emma separately from everyone else. He's like the only one at this point that has history that he's not sharing. But the Jolly Roger is a way back to Emma. Because it is a enchanted boat that can jump realms, is it not? Or maybe just travel through portals? It can travel through portals and it's made out of enchanted wood, but it itself cannot jump between realms okay because remember they needed the bean to go to neverland and they couldn't use the ship to go from enchanted forest to a land without magic they needed the bean cora and hook needed the bean in order to go through the portal can mermaids take people maybe i don't know seems like not but it was a thought then at the same time we have the ladies are in the vault going through these items and conveniently discovering the letter to Cora. Well, Regina knew where it was. And for some reason, she read it this time and just interpreted the same exact words differently and said, oh, she is my sister. <laughs> Still could have been wrong. I don't know why it was proof, but that's okay. I'm curious about who that letter, like it was being written from Rumpel to Cora or Cora. Who was yes, Rumple to Cora. So, like, they were pen pals while she was in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> well, she wouldn't have been in Wonderland yet, right? 
Yeah, she was right. in Wonderland before the Evil Queen got married to Rumpel King Leopold. Trained her and convinced her oh. to push Cora into the Looking Glass. Right. So this letter would be after after Cora was in Wonderland. I I don't think so. Yeah. Because okay, let's go through this. Okay. Regina didn't have magic before she pushed Cora through the looking glass. Regina learned well, she had some kind of protection spell and able to in order to preserve Daniel. But she didn't have magic then, and that's when Rumple that's when she found the book that Cora had and started learning some of it and training just a little bit with Rumple pushed Cora through the looking glass and then continued training with Rumple. Zelina comes onto the picture when Regina is already training with Rumple. Yeah. Right. So this means that Cora would already be in Wonderland at this point, which makes sense mm. why he would send a letter because he doesn't like Wonderland. He called it an annoying little world. Well, my question is how does the letter get there number 1? All but... of Cora's possessions that she brought with her from Enchanted Forest and Wonderland to Storybrooke. Well, how did the letter get to Wonderland? How would you deliver a letter there? Well, he had the Hatter still, right? Yeah. Hmm. It's a lot of trouble. Maybe there's some kind of... That's probably it didn't get there. That's... <laughs> Regina... Why Regina has it. Also looked... She still had, like, the braids. She looked so young that that... Mm-hmm. I didn't think that it was that far along. Well, comparing it to the episode, The Doctor... I think they're going for the same, about the same timeline, especially when you consider the ruby slippers or Mm. silver slippers and (laughs) all of that stuff. Okay. So some people in the forums are saying that this letter really doesn't make (laughs) sense. In what sense? Does it not make sense? For one thing, the timeline a little bit, but I I hope I've clarified that. I think it does make sense timeline wise. And... Kay Percyman suggested that maybe the letter was just a training tool that Rumpel used to help boost Regina, and Regina read what she wanted to into the letter. Mm, that's possibly a little overcomplicated. When you materialize something like this, you kind of need to explain it a little bit. Yeah. But then as we go to the town square, as they're starting to prepare everything and block off every... <laughs> The fighting ring? Yeah. <laughs> it's, there's going to be a fight here tonight. I'm selling tickets. Tickets. Anyone want to come to the fight? <laughs> and they're like, we just need to get his dagger because they want to take Rumple out of the equation. And I was just thinking, it's too bad there aren't any castles to go burn down. Because that used to be a big <laughs> thing in season one was burning down castles to get what you want. Yeah. Including the dagger. <laughs> but I guess that's why Zelina just keeps it in her hand and looks even more menacing because of it. Oh. Well, then during this, Regina and Robin are sitting on a tree. R-E-A-D-I-N-G. <laughs> yes. And because Robin makes another reference to a simian army, I've concluded that they did this entire half of the season and this plotline simply so that they could use the word simian repeatedly. <laughs> it's a good word. It is pretty cool. I mean, this podcast is kind of simian, if you think about it. Uh, I loved that Regina referred to them as the Charmings, because not really their last name, but... Yeah, but everybody how does. How else are you going to refer to them? <laughs> I, I also love that they're 
Um, this is my token female observation of the episode. So stay, <laughs> listen up if that's what you're expecting from me. Um, they started dressing Regina in blue a lot this season, like almost every single episode since the hiatus has uh, ended. So I, uh, hmm. I have noticed that mostly because a coworker told me about it. Um, cause as we know, I don't really notice that kind of thing, but it's interesting to me because blue has always been the color of the savior. Um, like in all of Emma's promotional posters and stuff, when the show first started, she was always blue. Um, her magic is kind of like whitish blue, I think. And Regina's is, has never been like that. So I think it's interesting that they're using this like, and it's bright blue that they're dressing Regina in. So I don't know if they're trying to kind of symbolize that she's on the good side now or. Until the witch fight when she went all black and red. Yeah. It's like her battle outfit. <laughs> hmm. Well, and she at least she was wearing color. She should have borrowed Emma's jacket. <laughs> that would be weird. That would be that weird. That would be really weird. <laughs> as Rumpel is trying to free, uh, or as Belle is trying to free Rumpel, they played the same music in the background as in the episode skin deep mm-hmm. during that little montage of well for one on one side rumple beating mo french oh yeah and on the other side beating all everything that was in his little room <laughs> big room because he was upset over losing bell <laughs> but it's the same beautiful music oh. i call it kind of the weeping song because it just sounds like crying to <laughs> the it. weeping song yes it's beautiful Mark yeah. Isham does a great job. Yeah. That was probably one of uh, Robert Carlyle's sort of most powerful scenes back then. Yeah. It was rather intense. Uh, I couldn't figure out why Bell was sort of like they, they had this whole scene set up. So they're trying to reach each other. I'm like, Bell, would you just take another step forward? My goodness, you could reach him. There's nothing saying that the second you step in the cage, you're going to get stuck there. I mean, yeah, as an audience, we probably would be going, don't go in the cage, (laughs) as we already have several times this season, because they keep going into that cage. But I didn't understand what she was doing, really. But it's probably fine in the end, because there was a Zelina hiding in the corner. And then when she ran out... um, Honestly, Rumple sort of reminded me of Whack-A-Mole or Pop Goes the Weasel or something. <laughs> kind of, He kind of pops out partially from the cellar and threatens them in a threatening sort of way. But somebody should have just hit him on the head. He would have gone back inside. When she ran out, I was just like, have Belle and Tinkerbell ever even met before? Because the first thing she does is like run into Tink's arms for a hug. And I'm like, maybe she just really needed a hug. Well, Tink <laughs> wasn't holding a gun out. <laughs> True. <laughs> or a sword or anything. People who aren't holding guns pointed in your general direction are usually more huggable than those who are <laughs> holding like, the guns. I guess so. Observation. <laughs> um, I really love Belle's vulnerability. Like, we know that she's fierce and tough and whatever we know that she can take care of herself. We've seen that, but she, she just has, especially with Rumple, but just in general, she has such good vulnerability in her like demeanor and emotions. And it's nice to see. I know a lot of feminists probably, they kind of, (laughs) (laughs) 
There's this discourse in feminist literature where like they <laughs> complain either that the women are too manly. So because they're tough, it makes them less uh, compassionate and more, more just like men who don't, you know, like have feelings, which is mm-hmm. also ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, or that, that the women are all just so whiny and so they're so weak and so they can't <laughs> do anything. And I, I think that this show is such a perfect example of the balance between the two. So you have all of these strong women. No one can deny that there's all these strong women in the show, but there's always a vulnerability. Like I, I don't think any of the women in the show haven't at least shown, you know, some vulnerability and emotion. And um, mm-hmm. I just think Emily Duravin does it, does it best maybe, or at least in hmm. this context. So it's good. It's good to see. I know the show gets a lot of praise for their strong female characters, but that is something that is still lacking in television sometimes. So, yeah, you're right. And not, not just strong for strength's sake. Right. Not, not ridiculously strong to the point where you're like, Oh my goodness. Would you go like have a cup of tea or something? And then lately they've been writing the men in a little bit more of a balanced way too. So yeah, which is very good. I, well. So good, good point. Henry is with Hook all day and apparently tying these knots as well for a very, very long time. But <laughs> So he was being naughty? Oh, uh, 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 uh. You could say har, har, har because pirates. Well, yeah, so when he's out there with the pirate, they show this boat. With the pirate. <laughs> they show this boat for a moment that's out uh, in the water. And it has Barbara J is the name of the boat. Yes. And the first time I saw it, and it says New Westminster, BC. Oops. Canadian boat <laughs> that's in Maine. That's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they probably didn't expect we would screenshot and zoom in on that. They should. They should, because when would you not do that? But it does make me wonder. The first time I saw it, I thought it said Barbara Jr., <laughs> and even if it didn't say junior still having the name barbara here makes me think of barbara hershey, barbara hershey. who plays cora yes. I, I wonder if it's a nod to cora in any way if they meant for us to see it then maybe <laughs> maybe well the, the camera was actually focused on it and then they panned it and changed the focus hmm. back to hook and henry that's fun I thought that Hook didn't really, like, it would have been very easy for him to explain his connection to Neil without completely making Henry 100% more suspicious than he already was. I know. By just saying, we were friends. I knew how to do this. Neil didn't, so I taught him. Not the whole, like, I was my age when he was 14. I'm still my age now. Or at the very least some stupid, vague comment about, well, I'm a lot older than I look. Yeah. Like, that could have at least left him going, huh, maybe he's just got one of those faces. Maybe he's, like, in his 50s. (laughs) That would have been okay. When he did tell the truth to Henry, Henry seemed to be appeased by that, and he stopped asking questions. He just listened. So it was... Henry's planning his next move. Don't be fooled. (laughs) Operation Bailfire. Operation Find Some Pizza. And not just for food's sake, but because he's sick of being lied to. And he's going to break pretty soon. Or, you know, get some potion from Blue Fairy. One or the other. 
Why is she not making him potion? I know. Maybe she has. Maybe Emma's got it. Emma Maybe. doesn't want him to remember. Yeah. I, I kind of expected to hear some uh, Eye of the Tiger music <laughs> as Zelina was starting to get ready for this battle. Oh, I thought this was the most ridiculous thing. It's like only the show. They're like, they're putting on jewelry for their fight. <laughs> jewelry and leather gloves and oh my goodness they get all dressed up for a night on the town fighting but a night on the town nonetheless <laughs> it's amazing it's just i guess for a witch fight you can dress like that <laughs> i guess so but i always used to be just because i did karate as a kid and i always used to be so critical of the outfits that actors or that characters would wear and they know that they're going into a fight yeah it's like you can't kick in that what are you doing and I, and I always i always criticized buffy for having her hair down during when she's like going into a fight because i'm like in karate you're that's a way to get punched in the face and <laughs> and then i'm like oh it's probably now like now i realize it's probably because her stunt double you know they needed to make it easier for her to be doubled but because we're all yeah. watching her green hands. <laughs> hmm, I hadn't even thought about that, about the green gloves. I mean, yes, green, but they made her hands green. She's used to yeah. being green. I don't know. I think she's just obsessed with green things. And she that amulet has been a focal point twice in this mm-hmm. episode. So I still think that that might be important. You think it might have some magical power to it? I would love to know what would happen if somebody ripped it off her neck and crushed it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Or maybe took it down into the mines under the town and hit it with a pickaxe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it could, it's the it thing. What is that thing? Like, maybe that's the fail safe. <laughs> it could be something not. It could be just like that's how she controls the monkeys or something <laughs> like that. But when they do finally have the showdown, I was expecting it to be 815 at night because they do that so often. But no, it started at 725. Oh, so time's not frozen under this curse. No. Which I guess that makes sense. Because she waited five minutes, so about 7.30. And when Regina got knocked through the clock, it was 7.40 on the clock. And oh my goodness, was this not the cattiest fight ever? I mean, they started out fighting over their clothes. (laughs) Black is my color. Okay. It was, I mean, it was hilarious to watch, but... Yeah. Uh, the, the first thing Regina did was pull down the traffic light and it had a green light and a red light. And it was on the lights were on the same <laughs> sides as the two of them wearing red and green. I thought that was. Oh, that's funny. Rather uh, something. I was going to say artistic. It was it was a nice touch. I'll say that. And Aaron, I know this is bothering both of us at the very least in the clock tower. Why? Why didn't she take Selena's heart? I know. She was right there. She reached out her hands. I thought yeah. she was going to do it. And all she did was push her away. Yeah. It's weird. I liked that Regina finally questioned, like, what did I ever do to you? Yeah. Like, why are you doing this? Because <laughs> usually there's a motive, but I guess that's too much to expect. Um. Yeah, this is, so far, this is... The only villain I have absolutely no compassion for, which for me is, you know. (laughs) She's definitely the most, so far, she's the most simple, like, 
okay, you never felt loved, you got jealous, and you started stabbing perfectly good sisters in the neck. <laughs> sisters who might have loved you, by the way. And, and, you know, speaking of stabbing people in the neck, no, I'm not about to thank sponsors or iTunes reviews, <laughs> but I do want to make up to someone who felt a little bit stabbed in the neck Uh-oh. by something, how we responded to some feedback, but they get some oh. props for being correct about something. This came from oh. Firelight saying, I, sate, I, I hate Sorry, to sound like I'm gloating, Oh, but I called that Zelina was after Regina's heart. <laughs> I was a little hurt by the way you guys replied to my Aww. last feedback. I'm sorry about that. But when Zelina made it plain in Being Green that she wanted Regina's heart, I laughed very, very hard. I am almost certain that Zelina's father was Cora's true love. Zelina was born with magic, which may mean she is a product of true love, which but turned wicked due to her abandonment and upbringing. And if that's true, then it means that Daniel's death at Cora's hands is tragically ironic. Aww. Thank you, Firelight. Yeah, Firelight, you're in the chat room all the time, and you're awesome. So, and your ideas are awesome. So we're just pulling that. Let's pull that neck, knife. Yep, the yep. knife out of your neck. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yep. you. It was Rumple. Good as job. As it turns yep. out. Good job predicting that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> it happened. <laughs> you guys know. You know that we are sometimes critical on certain theories that end up turning completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we end up being completely wrong. Sometimes it's completely right. It, Lots of stuff happens. But that's why we welcome your feedback. I liked that Regina actually having Cora as a mother did seem to give her a benefit in this fight. I liked the line, our mother taught me one thing, never bring your heart to a witch fight. <laughs> and but when, when did Regina start calling herself a witch, by the way? Well, Snow called her a witch in the pilot. Oh. <laughs> that's true. She's not a queen anymore. She's nothing more than an evil witch. That's true. It's a good no, thing no, she no. didn't say wicked. Don't stoop to her level. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey! <No. laughs> that was fun. Let's reenact more scenes. Yeah, well, let's reenact the clock tower continually being destroyed. Can you please not throw me into the clock tower? <laughs> oh, okay. Throw okay. you in or throw you out. You can have your choice. <laughs> oh, a little... I think you noticed this, Jeremy, a Doctor mm. Who reference. Mm. In which part? In, in this scene during this whole um, showdown in the city. And uh, Karen also pointed out this Doctor Who reference. Okay. Can you explain it a little bit more? I don't remember. Oh, there's a scarf that one of the people oh. is wearing, a very colorful scarf. Yes, some people were sending screenshots of this. There is a particular iteration of the Doctor... Tom Baker, played by Tom Baker. He was one of the longest-running doctors in the series. And he wore this very unique, very long, stripy, 70s earth tone-ish scarf. And there is, I mean, it's an unmistakable scarf once you recognize it. And there was one of the extras in the background was wearing this scarf probably an official replica of the scarf because those are around those exist and it is very interesting that they would choose it's not an attractive scarf let's be clear so when when someone's wearing it it sticks out and it's clearly a doctor who reference so the fact that they would put a clear reference to a time traveler in the background of this battle is 
and I had forgotten completely that I'd seen this. Uh, it's a perception filter, Doctor Who fans. Um, <laughs> it's very possibly telling mm. because they haven't even made a huge deal out of time travel yet in this story. They've made one reference at the end after the scene, actually. So now it would be interesting to figure out if there are any other nods to anything time travel related well, this you, season. In some ways, you could say the clock tower is time travel related because of Back to the Future. Well. But there haven't been any DeLoreans. She did kind of knock Regina into last Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> but the time, the clock tower's been in it all along. And it has been shattered before. So... But apparently you only die when you are thrown out of it, not into it. Well, that makes some sense. Mm, she Once it? she hit... Well, I'd say... <laughs> I, I'd say when you're thrown out of it, you have quite a distance to fall before you hit the ground. And when you're thrown into it, you kind of just fall on the floor. But you're... Forget the yeah, shattering glass. That's fine. The momentum that you're thrown at would well, be the same. True. Well... Especially, like, she didn't even get a scratch. Hmm. <laughs> I felt it was more of a lobbing. Like a gentle, <laughs> so, so she, she like of, gently she placed arced, her down. And then the downward momentum, all her momentum was stopped with the upward travel by gravity. And then when she went through the tower, that stopped her momentum more. And she just had a little momentum from the top of that arc to the deck in the clock tower. Whereas going out of it, you ha- you hit the top of the arc right away and then you have gravity pushing on you and the rest of it the momentum before you hit the ground is just far greater who knew you'd okay. learn some physics in, from <laughs> who knew i'd figure out some physics as i was speaking <laughs> <laughs> well one of the things that regina figured out uh, is that zelena wanted a heartless mother or wanted a mother <laughs> <laughs> I know. I totally did not get that line. She wanted the one thing I have that she didn't. And then she says, my heartless mother. Like, you stood there and looked at your heart, which Selena tried to take. Did you just call your heart your heartless mother? I don't understand. Well, it was what Zelina said that she wanted everything from Regina. Yeah. But I still don't quite get the connection that Regina made. See, I thought she was throwing it back to what she said in the clock tower when she said, oh, my mother taught me one thing, never bring your heart to a witch fight. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like the only reason Regina won was because she had a heartless mother. It's not like Cora ever said, okay, dear, I'm going to tell you some advice. If you're ever going to have a witch fight, don't bring your heart. (laughs) You're right. I hadn't even thought about it. So I it was, this was more just like Cora said <laughs> because Cora was heartless. That's probably one of the reasons why she could never really be defeated because nobody ever had her heart. And Regina has recently learned this, and so hmm. that's why she didn't bring her heart with her. That's a good point. Hook and Emma have this little doorway conversation, and I I really like how Hook points out to her: "There's more bay in your boy than you realize." <laughs> just implying that he is still his father's son, even though he doesn't remember his father at all. That's oh, so sad. He needs to remember <laughs> now. Before we go on to talk about this last scene, because I want Hunter and Jacqueline to join us for this conversation and what this implies for the series, 
I want to thank some people who have encouraged us and made our day by leaving kind ratings and reviews for us in iTunes. We really appreciate the written reviews most of all, because that's how I can see who you are and (laughs) thank you by name, but also your written reviews help us the most because it helps other people find the podcast and it really encourages us. So big thanks to Firelight, Andrew1515, Pono12, and PMA D-Rock or P Mad Rock from Australia. Now P Mad Rock, I got to read her review here. It's short. She said, I wasn't allowed to talk to my husband about Once Upon a Time as he hasn't watched it yet. (laughs) So it was wonderful to have someone to quote, talk to quote about it. You guys rock. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. You, you rock. All of you, you rock. Even if you haven't (laughs) left a review for us, that you're listening to the show and that you're participating in the community or just listening to us, you rock. Thank you so much. If you haven't left a review yet for us in iTunes, we'd really appreciate the support because it, it really does help us out each review that we get. So if you'd like to do that, or if you have already left a review and you'd like to mark some of these other reviews as helpful, please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes to write a review for us, and we would appreciate that. Or if you use Stitcher or any other app that has reviews, we'd appreciate it there. Just let us know that you've done it on these other platforms. Now, to talk about this last scene, we've brought on Hunter and Jacqueline to join us as all five of us now. And the big thing is this whole thing that Zelina said to Rumpel about doing it over again. Does this really mean going into the past and changing the past? Or is it almost kind of like a a rebooting it, but same situations right now? What do you guys think that this means? Jacqueline, how about you start us off? Well, I don't think she wants to travel into the past so much as she wants to change one event. I think when they're in the street about to fight, when she tells Regina the biggest problem was that she was born, I think she means it literally. I think she wants to prevent Regina from being born. And so that's the one event that she's going to change. Wouldn't she already have been abandoned by the time Regina was born? Well, if... If she can maybe also change the fact that she doesn't get abandoned, I suppose. Well, Mm -hmm. and one thought I had about the being abandoned thing is what if the reason Zelina wants Snow's baby is so that she can take that baby back into the past and make that baby be the abandoned baby. And (laughs) Zelina somehow mm-hmm. trade herself or something. Like, is she going to raise herself? That's what I'm <laughs> she, thinking of. She's like, going to put Snow's baby next to herself, next to her baby self. And we've already seen what her baby self can do. She's going to levitate her little baby basket and move it away. And she's going to kind of maneuver Snow's baby into the path of the cyclone. Yeah, the thought isn't magic. really developed out beyond that, but I thought <laughs> maybe replacing the abandoned baby with Snow's baby was the idea. But that wouldn't well, exactly make Cora take her and I raise think, her. Yeah. I don't know. I think she just wants to be able to be raised by Cora and somehow ensure that Regina is never born. Oh. And and then that way, Zelina is the one who casts the curse, that Rumpel has to choose her. Because yes. that's what she says after Rumpel tries to kill her. Next time, dearie, you will choose me. And if she's the only choice because Regina was never born, then Zelina is going to be the one to cast the cursed curse. And any way you look at it, Henry isn't born. Hmm. 
Hmm. And Emma's not the savior. There is no savior. Henry isn't born. Yeah. Okay. We worked on this <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite <tell>. extensively <laughs> over at the forums. Um, okay. So we would still have the curse and we would still have Storybrooke or someplace like it, we would assume. But there would be no Emma as the savior because without Regina, there would be no vendetta against Snow, mm. meaning that Snow and Charming would never meet. So therefore, there would be no Emma being born. No Emma as the savior means no Henry. Wow. Even if... Um, but true love always wins out. So they yeah, no, it, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> even if they chose another true love couple, like, say, Ariel and Eric or Cinderella and um, Thomas, Aurora and Philip, who are about to have a baby, by the way, um, you know, it still wouldn't work to the point where Emma as the savior not meeting Neil no Henry. So no matter how you look at this, Henry's not going to be born. Yeah, maybe. Unless they, they play heavily into the fate and we will always find you, or I will always find you kind of thing. Like their love is strong enough and all these true love couples are strong enough that they will always be together in some way, no matter what happens. Well, I still like the but, wow. idea that Roger sent in earlier that the baby that Snows and Regina's baby or Snows and what? What? Charming's <laughs> baby. <laughs> Sorry. That Snow and Charming's baby is actually Zelina and that it was actually Snow we saw. So the whole time loop thing that it's actually mm-hmm. Snow that we saw leaving the baby, but for completely different reasons. Because what if we get to see that scene again, but mm-hmm. it plays out completely differently than we expected? That's how a lot of time travel s- stories are told, where we see a scene from one perspective and think something is happening. But then when we see it from the time traveling perspective, we see that, no, actually something completely different is happening. Well, yeah. And I agree that we'll probably see that scene again. But I think what will change is that it may not be that Cora actually abandoned her. Hmm. I mean, that twist, there is no way that twister was normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If that was a normal twister, you know, I'll eat Jefferson's hat. Because... It was bright green and it jumped worlds. Yeah. Someone <laughs> when you put it like caused that, that twister. Yeah, it was almost like it was maybe a portal. Yeah, and portals don't just spring up randomly. They Someone caused it. it. So I and if Cora wasn't magic yet, having not met Rumpel, I don't necessarily think Cora actually abandoned her. And I think that's what we might see. But in the actual story of the Wizard of Oz, that is how Dorothy got to Oz was a twister. It doesn't say if it was a real twister or not, but. Yeah, this could just be a weird thing that happens that we've not got to see, gotten to see yet is that <laughs> twisters take from one land with magic to another land with magic. That's, I don't know about that. Or even a land without magic, i.e. Kansas. Right, but then Rumpel <laughs> would have, you know, been out with a weather balloon right. searching for storm patterns. Yeah. So I, maybe I, no. maybe twisters can only get you to Oz. Like that's their special way. Yeah, could be. Maybe like could. looking glasses get you to Wonderland. Yeah. Hmm. I like that. But where does Snow's baby maybe fit into this with a second chance thing? 
Unless maybe Zelina wants to kind of have a baby of her own to raise, or mm-hmm. is this is Snow's baby a rest part of this recipe? <laughs> Regina's heart, Charming's courage, Rumple's brains, something old, something new, something borrowed, something, something, borrowed, blue. something blue. Oh, there's and there's <laughs> Regina's wardrobe, the blue. Yeah, yeah. Snow's well, baby though is a second chance if you think about it for Snow and Charming. To raise a baby because they gave Emma away. Hmm. Right. So that could even be symbolic, just like Emma is symbolic of, you know, being the savior of true love. Snow's baby could be symbolic of a second chance and or could have been written into the new curse as the savior, just as Emma was in the old curse. Yeah. Hmm. I think Zelina wants a baby to raise because I think part of what motivates her is just insane jealousy over everything Regina's ever had. And I'm still not 100% sure that she doesn't know about Henry. And if Regina, you know, for 11 years was raising a a little kid, Zelina's going to want that too. Hmm. And so she, you know, Regina raises Snow's grandson. So therefore she's going to have to do one better. She will raise Snow's child. You know, something that just occurred to me while we were talking about this. Regina cast the curse, and she didn't want it broken. But really, Rumpel was behind it, and he wanted Emma to come. He wanted the Savior to come break the curse. Maybe to do whatever she wants to do. Zelina needs her current curse broken. And so Snow and Charming's child is... The Savior, you know, like you were just saying, written into this curse. And so she definitely needs this child somehow to break the curse and you would think there would be something in well <laughs> i was gonna say you would think the baby would need to grow up first but selena did quite a bit of magic as a baby maybe mm-hmm. maybe yeah. baby charmings could break curses <laughs> and she needs that hunter remind me uh, chris tipton sent a message saying that you and Jacqueline had predicted that Walsh was going to be with the wizard. Was that in your spoiler conversation or in our regular episode conversation? It was in our spoiler conversation last week. Okay. Oh. So there wasn't an actual spoiler that gave it away? No, no. We, uh, we had the um, we have the guest starring list of who's going to be in the next uh. episode. And they talked about meeting the wizard and he wasn't in the guest star list except Walsh was. Oh. <laughs> there so. was also... Um, Christopher Gorham actually came and visited the set when they were shooting the big showdown scene. But we have pictures. He was there, but he wasn't filming. And then the next day he tweeted about being inside a studio doing voiceover. And we all went, oh, that's uh, funny. wizard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that one, that definitely sounds like a giveaway. That's funny. So that must have happened weeks ago. Oh, yeah. They were shooting 316 quite a while back i think they're almost done they are done yeah yeah they're completely done yeah so you guys are gonna have some great spoilers i'm sure to talk about. i know way too much (laughs) (laughs) that's why we let you guys do that because i don't want to be the man who knew too much well we would love your feedback on each episode of once upon a time now we're finished here discussing it's not easy being green 
But you can continue the conversation about this in two places. Either go to the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 141 and comment there. That's also where the screenshots are and these links to great forum posts that we've mentioned and haven't gotten the chance to mention as well. But also go to the forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul do a great job over there moderating the forums and some incredible conversations and theories going on over there. So we'd love for you to be part of that as well. And each time a new episode airs, you can send us your feedback on that episode. Just include the episode title in the subject line of the email and send that to feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or go to oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device and send a voice message to us through the website. Please remember to check out the upcoming Once Upon a Time in Wonderland roundtable by going to bit dot lee slash wonderland hangout that's bit.ly slash wonderland hangout for more information about that and that's on april 12th at 8 30 p.m eastern daylight time and all of our regular live schedule is over at oncepodcast.com slash live so if you're ever wondering when we're live when we're chatting and anything like that check that out we've got something cool though maybe in the works <laughs> maybe someone young that we might get to talk to that you'd be interested in talking to maybe later this month so we're gonna have some fun with that but watch for that on twitter follow us at once podcast and you can follow each of us i'm daniel j lewis on twitter at the ramen noodle i'm jeremy laughlin on twitter at Fleegon. that's p-h-l-e-g-o-n i'm aaron and i'm on twitter at aaron j cruz I'm Hunter. You can follow me at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at Punk underscore Bunny underscore 87. And this podcast would not be possible without our great team helping us in so many ways. So special thanks to our whole team of volunteers who make this possible. We need help, actually, with one of those positions for helping <laughs> sort feedback. But Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter and Jacqueline for providing spoilers, Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Jacob for help with screenshots, Keb for managing our timeline. If you haven't checked that out, oncepodcast.com slash timeline, Aliascape and Aaron J for managing and moderating our chat room, and Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline for hosting the podcast together and for you being a part of this community and adding so much value and content to it make sure that you get the show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 141 and until next time have a meat pie and thanks for listening Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor to make an automatic ongoing donation or even just a one-time donation, and we'd really appreciate the support. Hi, everyone. Hunter Hathaway here. And Jacqueline. And we have got your spoilers for Once Podcast. Season 3, Episode 17, The Jolly Roger, is written by David H. Goodman and directed by Ernest Dickerson. 
Ariel returns to Storybrooke and pleads with Hook to help her find Prince Eric, who never returned to the town when the new curse was invoked. Emma agrees to let Regina teach her how to use magic so that she can help defeat Zelina, and Mary, Margaret, and David try to prove that they can be just as much fun as Hook is with Henry, who thinks they're boring. Meanwhile, in Fairytale Land during the past year, an angry Ariel confronts Hook over her missing Prince Eric, who she assumes was kidnapped and possibly killed by the Swathering Pirate. But when Hook confesses that the Jolly Roger has been stolen and Eric is most likely the thief's prisoner, Ariel unknowingly provides him with a clue as to who the culprit is, and Hook, with Ariel in tow, goes off in search of his ship. So I read this press release when it came out, I think on Monday, and I was just like, okay. It kind of seems to me like there's going to be the exact same story twice. Yeah, and it it seems like we're going to get a little bit of a break from drama, 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 drama. And it's going to honestly be two pirates fighting. Yes. <laughs> because, but, of course, we have Blackbeard. Yes, because guest starring this episode, we have Christopher Gauthier as me. He's back. Um, Joanna Garcia Swisher as Ariel. Gil McKinney as Prince Eric. Charles Mesher as Blackbeard, J.C. Williams as lead guard, and Jessa Danielson as Wench. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just reading it, people. (laughs) (laughs) The promo for this episode, they do the hook-centric promos, I swear, the exact same every single year, where it's some sort of the charming swashbuckler. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Yes. He's kind of moved beyond that now, (laughs) but from the promo and from the promo episode stills that we have it looks like it's going to be a lot of pirate shenanigans yay which could be very fun and i'm very excited to see ariel yes so if we did you watch the promo i did okay so let's just do a little breakdown we see hook and emma there's a lot of hook and emma i think in this episode yes and actually the first sneak peek for this episode already came out accidentally and it is of hook and emma at the docks yes and hook says we can't pretend like this never happened so i want to know what this is yeah and then later we see it it looks like he's spying on emma yeah and they have a way of editing the promos where they want to build tension so they'll splice scenes together so i'm actually a little doubtful that hook is like legitimately spying on emma (laughs) when i first saw it i thought that he was like in um fairytale land on the ship and like he was just looking out at sea with the the scope and then they just shot from the outside of the diner and that's where emma was yeah so we do get lots of flashbacks with the ship because it is called the jolly roger right and ariel is back and it looks like she's threatening someone but we don't know who it is they want you to make it look like it's hook but it could be anyone mhm although in the um in the episode stills there are several shots of Hook and Ariel holding knives to each other's throats. Fun. At, yeah, at one point she actually has him pin, pinned to the floor, and she's like holding a knife to his throat. So if you are a fan of Fluk or Captain Floor, which is the pairing of Hook and the Floor, you're going to get that this week. Okay. And then we do see that Hook draws his sword on Zelina. Yeah. And it looks like Hook gets attacked, but... I couldn't tell if it was a flashback or in Storybrooke. I think it might be a flashback. I think Ariel might be trailing him because she thinks that he has something to do with Prince Eric. Yeah, I I watched that trailer like five, six times and I couldn't tell. 
Yeah. He wears the same outfit every time, so. <laughs> yeah. Except there I don't know if you saw, there was a second promo that came out. And it was aired on Monday during Dancing with the Stars, and it was basically the exact same except for one tiny scene which shows Hook dressed up as a knight in shining armor. Ooh, that'll be fun. Yeah, I have no idea what that's about. I'm assuming a dream sequence. Okay. But it <laughs> I I didn't see this one. For every other preview I watched, it was the old one. Yeah. It it was very bizarre for a moment. I was like, "Oh, you are not in black leather." Ooh, I kind of wish that the Canada preview came out so we could have seen that. Yeah. Cuz they always tend to do things completely different. Yeah. Do you have anything else about this episode? Um the only thing of note is that with Blackbeard, they have dressed him Almost identical to the way Captain Hook dresses in Disney's Peter Pan. And he is almost a dead ringer for Jack Sparrow. Like, it looks like they got a Johnny Depp stand-in or something. It's kind of bizarre. (laughs) Maybe they were just trying to pull in all the different aspects. Yeah. (laughs) I found some things, um, interesting things for episode 18, Bleeding Through. Did you have anything from that one? I just have one spoiler for that one. What did you have? This one came out from TV Line on Tuesday, and it's that you will find out who Zelina's father is, and the writer, Matt Midovich, who's a very good friend of Adam and Eddie, um, says he's pretty much assuming that you're going to find out in the 18th episode, Bleeding Through, which is the episode where Prince Leo and young Cora are coming back. So it might be that Leo is, in fact, Zelina's father. And, um... What was it? Also, uh, Eva Bourne is back, who's young Eva. Yes. So we get to fill in a lot more of Regina's backstory. And we did get a piece of feedback that Daniel passed on to me um, earlier. Yes, I got that too. Yeah. From Karis, I'm really hoping I'm pronouncing your name right, Um, that the title Bleeding Through might refer to holes appearing in the different worlds and that they are literally bleeding together and coming together, which is an interesting idea. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, we never know. Can't we tell episode 18? But, yeah, um, it's going to be a big one. Yes. So I found an interview with Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz in TV Guide. And they did throw a couple spoilers out there for us. Um, they were asked if there's going to be any more deaths this season, and they said that there would be. They don't mention who it is, but they did say in season four we will have a new villain. So maybe... Jafar. It's... Cough. Jafar. <laughs> so maybe I'm thinking the Wicked Witch is going to die, or... I would yeah. be very surprised if she didn't. It's kind of how they handle their season villains. Yeah. Aura, Pan. Mm-hmm. She'll she'll die. <laughs> They also asked, did Zelina have to sacrifice the thing she loved most for this curse? And Horowitz said, the casting of the curse follows the exact rules that we establish. And then Kitsis goes, you always have to give up the thing you love most. And then we will see how she casts the spell, but they're not changing the rules of the curse. So someone's heart was given up. Yeah, and I know that it's a pretty popular theory that she may have sacrificed her adopted father's heart. Because I think on some level she probably still loved him. Yes. Well, it looks like she loved him. She was shaving him. Right. So I, I'm i thinking either her father, her adopted father, the woodcutter. Right now, my favorite theory, though, is that she actually took Dorothy's heart. Oh, that'd be cool. 
because I think she may have befriended Dorothy when Dorothy came to Oz and sort of took her in because they're both, there are a lot of parallels. And we talked about this earlier in the podcast, um, Daniel, Jeremy, and Aaron. And I think the parallels aren't saying that Zelina is Dorothy, but rather that the two are going to be connected. Okay. And then it was also asked, will it take more than a bucket of water to kill the Wicked Witch? <laughs> and then Horowitz, of course, has to put out, who says we're going to kill her? Yeah, Adam. <laughs> and then finally, they asked, "Who will we find out who the Black Fairy is? And Kitsa says, yes, we'd love to show you that someday. So that would be a really cool episode. Yeah, and maybe if not this season, maybe uh, season four. There have been some speculations that she might be a another mythic figure, maybe Morgan Le Fay from the Camelot and Arthur mm-hmm. legend. I always think of, though, when the Black Fairy, for some reason, my mind goes straight to Maleficent, but that's just me. Well, if they don't plan on doing it until season four, True Blood is ending very soon. Mm-hmm. So the actress who um, plays Maleficent and is on True Blood could potentially come over and do some work on Once. Finally. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm Hunter. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me at punk underscore bunny underscore 87. And that's all we got for you today, guys. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>